Hello, everyone. Hello. We are here in the home that I grew up in, in the Midwest, uh, in Fairfield, Iowa. Um, and during this podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, our mentors, our highest mentors, um, Juno for me and Merlin, Juno, my dog, and Merlin, um, my horse. And Stitch, who is my companion, my dog. And yes, we're, we're leading with this podcast um, because it's more uh, leading with our heart. And I guess for us, <clears throat> that is uh, something that's just been our kind of guiding light in, in life, uh, definitely for me. And then uh, especially with working with dogs, um, less about the business and more about the heart and feeling so so i'll start with juno um so he was actually the very first pack member of oregon tales uh, my sister started oregon tales um at a park in in oregon and she had just moved to portland and didn't have a job and she had uh, a dog and her boyfriend's dog at the time. And so she was like, well, I got to take them out. So why don't I start a dog walking business? And she went to this local dog park and ran into Juno and, and his human companions. And at the time he was, I don't know, maybe seven months old, six months old, something like that. He was a puppy. Um, and he was her first client and I think I joined the business maybe about a year after she started it. And I remember hiking. I mean, he was, he was a handful <laughs> to say the least. I'm going to get into that. Um, but I, we, we would be hiking <clears throat> and, uh, we would joke around and talk about like what if it was the apocalypse you know which dogs would we pick or which dog would we pick in the pack and juno was always um my number one and it was just his tenacity in life like he was trouble he, he even though he was a handful like every day he came out five days a week even though he caused so much chaos <laughs> and like was super challenging, I was still like, yeah, that's the dog that I would pick. And um, you didn't have a dog at the time. I did not have a dog yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he would, he would get into scuffles. He would steal things from other dogs. Like he was just the, he was the king. Um, <laughs> or you could say alpha or whatever you want to call it. And like he would eat 
dead fish. He would roll in dead fish. He would eat <clears throat> eat and roll in human feces if we can encounter that. Like it was just a, a mess. <laughs> he was he was a mess. If you threw something, he would be the first one to get it. Um. Yeah, he just had this this drive and tenacity and awareness. Like he saw everything was aware of everything um, and just carried himself just so confidently. Um, and the, he was he a puppy at this time? Yeah, he was still young. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so anyways, so he was coming out five days a week with the pack and was still a hard, very challenging dog. And at the time we weren't really doing anything with behavior change or training necessarily. We were just taking dogs out and having fun. And it was not structured really by any means. Um, and so some years went by and he, we would get reports like he killed a couple cats like over the weekend. One time I remember I'd take him, because we would pick up and drop off from people's homes. And like sometimes I'd, I wouldn't have a leash or something like that. And I let him out of the van and be like, stay with me. <laughs> like, <laughs> however I used to do that, you know, try to get him to follow me or whatever. <laughs> and he would like see a squirrel and just take off. Um, anyway, so... He'd kill cats. He would get into their cabinets. He would open their cabinets and eat their food. He would, he ate like a couple trays of pot brownies on different occasions and had to go to the emergency room and get his stomach pumped or like induce vomiting or, or whatever. He ate rat poison and had to go into the ER for that. <laughs> like he, he was just a handful and they, they used a crate. And there was days when I would go into the house and he would be out. And this crate was just, it had all these, they had like bolts to keep it shut. They had tie wire. Like it was just a mess because he was not going to be contained. So eventually they got smart and they got like a big beef knuckle and they'd freeze it and put it in the crate with him when they left um, each day. And that seemed to, to help. Um, but he would bark if you came to the house, like he was not, he'd bark incessantly and charge the door. And anywho, so he got in some like scuffles with them too, right? Yes. Oh some, yeah. Like with dogs. Oh yeah. They would go to the park and he would, he just wouldn't back down from any dog. It didn't matter who it was. Yeah how big they were he would steal dogs toys and run around. he'd be that dog running around the park <laughs> with somebody's toy and they wouldn't be able to get it <clears throat> um but after about three years um they had a kid and he was just too much to handle and so they asked me if i wanted him and i think i thought about it for maybe a week because I was living with my sister and her boyfriend. We had a two bedroom apartment in Portland and it was a big deal. 
because uh, we already had two dogs in the apartment and mm-hmm. he was a handful. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I said yes. And I remember going to pick him up and I put him in the in the van and I remember just turning around and he was just sitting there staring at me and I was like, I'm doing you a favor. Like, let's, let's learn to work together. Mm. Just looked him dead in the eyes and was like, let's like, I'm here for you. Okay. Like I'm, I said, yes, like I'm here. Let's do this and let's, let's learn to, to live together and enjoy life together. And so that's kind of when it, when it kicked off and, I remember, oh man, he was, obviously I couldn't keep in a crate and I didn't really even know what a crate was. I'd never used them. So I didn't take his crate, his mangled crate (laughs) with me when we left. And so what I would do if I needed to leave, like how I went about like training him would be, if I needed to leave, leave to go somewhere, I'd start, I'd put him in the room and I'd start putting him in the room like an hour before I needed to leave. Mm -hmm. And I'd put him in there, put him in his bed and I would walk out like I was leaving and I'd shut the door to the bedroom and I'd listen. I'd put my my ear to the door and if I heard him get out of his bed, I'd open the door and be at bed. And so I'd do that for like an hour so I'd give myself a good chance a higher percentage <laughs> that he wouldn't get into any mischief in the room and i remember i went paintballing a few days before leaving him one time and i was i, was, I checked the room and i'm like okay like he's not gonna eat anything in here and there's a bag of paintballs that he opened and ate all of them <laughs> And like I came back and I didn't I didn't know because mm-hmm. I just saw like a little bit of paint on the floor because mm-hmm. the bag was in the closet and he must have opened it. And so I just saw a little paint and I was like, that's funny. And then later that night he had to go number two really bad and it was just like multicolored <laughs> diarrhea. <laughs> and then and then I was like, dang, that's weird. How's that? Why, why is that happening? So then I, I pieced it together. Um, but we'd, we'd, we'd leave him home and he would jump on the counters. He was super athletic. Um, and, and he's a, I thought when I adopted him, and he still could have been a pit healer, but later in his life, I did a DNA test kind of in the early stages of that. And they said he was a pit, Rottweiler, and Husky mix. Describe what he looked like. He was jet black with the little kind of bronze tan accents here and there with speckled feet. Bron and bronze and tan like on his face. Yeah, little, little dimple tan mm-hmm. things um, and like little tan on his, <clears throat> on his eyebrows. He had a white tip on his tail 
and then a speckled chest and speckled feet. Um, that he was just built like a tank. And he was what, like sixty pounds? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, so we leave him in the apartment, and it was it was just it was constant like. I would, we had a sliding glass door that led out to like a little balcony. And so, <clears throat> again, working on his separation anxiety and kind of just general destruction or consuming of things <laughs> when we'd leave, I would go out that door as if I left and it was a glass door so he couldn't really see out of it. And so I'd just go out there and I'd just watch. And I'd wait for him to make a bad choice. And I'd come in and be like, leave it drive him kind of like away from it whatever it was and one time he jumped up on the counter and just immediately grabbed an avocado and then jumped onto the floor he loved avocados um he would eat he'd peel off the skin eat the meat <laughs> of the fruit and then lick the seed clean and there would be no mess like he's super clean when it came to his mischief eating. <laughs> like, almost like he was trying to cover his tracks. Right, it's smart. Super intelligent. Um, anyways, and then he was also kind of respectful because he had to eat some, he got away with eating some stuff. And like, I remember, I remember sleeping. And this was something that he had throughout his whole life, but he would, he'd whimper under his breath in the middle of the night if he had to go out and because he was new to me at the time I didn't really know I mm -hmm. was like just leave it and I was like kind of half asleep I kind of ignored it mm -hmm. but then he like went into the closet and like went number two in there like explosive all this over is when my he would clothes. eat stuff yeah but he tried. So like all throughout his life, if he drank too much water before bed or if he was sick or whatever, he'd come up like right to my head where I'm sleeping and he would just slowly start to like heavy breathe and then it would get a little heavier and then maybe he'd let out a little whine and then a little louder whine and he would just gradually increase. Um, but yeah, super... There was like a, a level of awareness and connection. Like he knew, like, hey, dude, could you help me out here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I don't want to go inside. You don't <laughs> want me to go inside. Let's do something about this. Um, and and then like again, he had pretty bad separation anxiety, but it didn't stop me from just poking at it and testing it over and over and over again. So like I did the balcony thing like hundreds of times, the leaving the room hundreds of times. And I would take him places and I would um, like tie him up outside. Like in, in, in Portland, there's a lot of like dog ties, you know, like outside of Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. So I remember I'd go to Whole Foods and shop and I'd put him outside and he would just start losing it. Barking, howling, whining. And I'd hear it. As soon as I got out of sight, that's when he would start and I would turn right back around and I'd go kind of like get after him a little bit and then I'd go back inside and then I'd wait by the front door of Whole Foods for like 10 seconds and then sure enough, he'd start again and I'd go out and I'd get after him and then I'd go <laughs> back in the store and then it would be like 40 seconds and then 
I'd go out and then it would be like a minute and then four minutes and it just built slowly each time. But it was just, I was dedicated to growing with him. Like I didn't care what it took. Like I was way more stubborn than he was. And I just, I wanted, I wanted to have a dog that I could just do anything with. Um, and I didn't necessarily know he was capable of that, but I just didn't even care. I was like, look, we're in this together and we're going to do this. We're going to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. And, and he went everywhere with me. Like we would go camping. I would, in the summertime, there was like these little cliffs that you could go and jump off into streams. So I'd go and do that and he'd jump off with me. And if he didn't jump off with me, he'd like lose it and like run down and jump into the river or whatever it was I jumped into and just like be trying to climb on me to like, <laughs> like, don't do that. Or like, don't do that without me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I would go to CrossFit. I was going to CrossFit at the time. So he'd go to the gym with me. Um, like lots of exposure. I'd run with him. You also lived at that time on a pretty, on a pretty like happening street in Portland. Yes, very busy. And you went out. Yeah, I would go to bars and he would come with me. Like, yeah, it was, we were very active. And like we were, I exposed him to like so much. Yeah. Like pretty much everything. Um, I remember going to this thing called Speed Steel. Um, it's at a like a gun range, like every like first of the month, and you shoot these metal steel plates for time. And I brought him with me, mm-hmm. and he was either standing right next to me, um, or he was like standing with some of the fellows that I went with, or Jenny because she would come. Mm-hmm. But I remember being there and 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 there were some canine police guys that were there and they were just like, dude, cause he would just sit there. Like he was unfazed by the noise whatsoever. He actually tried to, he would try to catch the brass as they flew through the air, <laughs> like the hot <laughs> brass. But the canine guys were, they were, they were laughing cause they, they, they would bring their dogs and do mm. that as well. Their, their police dogs and whatnot. Um, so yeah, he was exposed to a lot. Um and and so like over time we just bonded like hard. And I remember you and I had just started dating and we were I was over at your house and I did have him off leash quite a bit. Quite a bit. I shouldn't have. But I remember one time we were sitting in the grass outside your house and a, a cat came oh, around I the corner that. and he took off after it. And I said, leave it. And I ran after him and he had turned the corner and then I came around the corner and he was just dead stopped. And I was like, oh, wow. I guess we're getting somewhere. Um, I remember that because 
he I, I remember him running after the cat and in my head I was like oh man like that fail cat, that cat's dead like epic yeah. fail and you came back and you were like he made a great choice like he didn't you know he stopped and in my head I was like but he still ran after the cat right and like I didn't at that time I didn't know much right um we weren't yeah so yeah we had just started dating so you didn't know much about him i didn't know and, much about him or about dogs and i was like isn't that a failure yeah. and now i'm like oh no it's a super win <laughs> yeah and you were you were used to just great like puppies like uh seeing eye dogs for the blind, yeah you know? yeah like, i hadn't failed. dealt with any he behaviors. failed miserably he ran after the cat you yeah. know and i was like but he didn't kill it <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't yeah. chase it for like this is a progress cool. <laughs> yeah and this was like i mean the cat incident i feel like that was maybe four months after you had him yeah something like that not that long mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of this stuff was happening like within the first year of you having him yes yeah and yeah so i we were i worked my ass off like when i I was with him 24 hours a day, pretty much, unless I w- was working on leaving him. And I wouldn't leave him for long periods. Like, we had, we'd leave him and, like, go grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. Or, like, leave him and go to, like, a movie that was, like, an hour and a half long. Not like they are today, which are, like, two plus hours, you know? Right. And then we'd I'd hustle back and be like, did you get into, did you get into anything, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <clears throat> so... The first year just worked so much and made a lot of progress, but he would still get into scuffles here and there. Um, I remember some pretty, there was one pretty nasty one. Uh, One of the pack members that uh, was late. And I was like, okay, meet me in this like parking lot. And he shows up, and before I could even get out of the van and get around to the sliding door because we had a van, the client had opened the door, put his dog in there. And this dog and Juno, like, I needed to be there to, like, have a conversation with them, you know? Yeah. And, like, maintain the energy and just kind of make my presence known. Yeah. I couldn't get there in time. (laughs) And so these two dogs, and he was a a purebred pit and so they got into it juno like whooped him pretty easily uh and he had like a like a puncture wound like on his head or like whatever but he was yeah when when the switch went like he was he was going for it he was pretty calculated about it too super calculated yeah 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 i did not see him lose anything that he got himself into Mm. most definitely but nothing like crazy like i never had to go to the emergency room or anything like that so i knew he wasn't like red zone or like vicious in that sense but i mean his prey drive obviously was super high because he killed some cats and he would probably kill some squirrels if he was if he caught them but anywho so worked a lot the first year and worked a lot like pretty much for three years i would say it took me three years to get him dialed Mm. and 
to the point to where I really did not have to think about him much at all. Like I would take him, I would take him in the city off leash. I would take him to anywhere off leash and he would make good choices. Wouldn't get distracted by things. Like he would think about things and be suit. He's like, he'd process. He'd be like, am I going to do this? No, I'm not going to do this. Like, I'm not going to act on my old behaviors, mm-hmm. but you could see him, the wheels spinning. Right. Um, and so he just started making extremely good choices. But there was still every once in a while, there were some things that would pop up. Like if a dog was pestering him and I wasn't there, or if I was too far away or something like that, I didn't catch it, then there would be an incident. Mm-hmm. Um. But for the most part, after three years together, he was pretty golden. When do you think that last bit fell off? Um, like how long in? Because it did. Yeah. Um, I'd probably say maybe at the seven-year mark when he was seven years old. So I had him like four years. Okay. So like one more year. One more year. Yeah. When it comes to that behavior, all those behaviors falling off, there was, like, we were using more correction-based approaches with the pack. And um, I feel like when we started removing that, that's when it, it just completely went away for him. Like when I stopped using more physicality or being more dominant, I guess you could say. And then he's just like, oh, I, I like my person is no longer doing these actions, is no longer reacting in this way. And so I guess I'm not going to do that either. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, like... And he loved rocks too. Like he would prefer carrying rocks around or fetching rocks than any other toy or stick. Um, He would dive for rocks, carry them softly in his mouth. Like he wouldn't chew on them, which was obviously a good thing. Yeah, he didn't hurt any of his teeth. Yeah. Um, And so like I definitely, another element to talk about is like his playful spirit um and his drive there's a video we posted to instagram where i'm spinning him around in a circle and he's attached to this toy this tug and like i got like revolutions of me spinning him around (laughs) and he's literally flying through the air and so like his drive was insane like if i tossed a rock into reeds or something precarious he would figure it out and like far away yes like very far away unbelievably i could like huck it yeah and he would be able to smell my scent on it yeah he would find that rock yes and and you would i remember you would do that in like piles of rocks yes 
like yeah. a rocky shore and he would find the rock. Yeah. Even in the water. Yeah. Or he would dive for it and pick up a different one. You'd be like, that's not the one. Yeah. And he'd be like, you're right. That's not the one. Yeah. And go back in for the other, for looking for it. Yeah. Super intelligent. I remember uh, Angela, she had this ballroom, like this, uh, like, a, <laughs> like a, you know, you go to play places, like McDonald's play places and they have the little balls. Yeah. She had this room in her house that was full of balls and we went and we met her um like stayed at her place yeah for a night and we went into this ballroom and Gina was like this is amazing (laughs) and there were and there were different colored balls (laughs) and I remember picking up a green ball and throwing it like six times and he got that same green ball out of all of the balls and this is a ball like when he moves or when somebody moves, like the ball falls. Yeah, they all and shift, like around. shift around and stuff. So his sense of sense, his smell, scent was extremely heightened. Um, yeah, and he was just tenacious in that. Like he just would not fail at mm. things. Um, anyway, so... Along the journey, the feeling that I got in our relationship was, I have not seen it replicated. And I know people are maybe going to roll their eyeballs, but I've been in the dog industry for 13 years now and I still haven't seen him replicated that relationship. What do you mean? The level of connection having not used food to teach him. I mean, that was another thing. Like I had to work for his food because he would lose it during feeding time. So feeding time at the beginning took hours Mm -hmm. because he was so jacked up. Um, But by the, by the end of it, like I just need to look at him and then look at him and then look at his food bowl. And he would, that was the cue to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you mean by the connection? Because it's, I don't think it's like the normal, I don't think it's what people might think connection is. Because it's not like I love you and you love me. And our love is the, is, is super deep. Yeah. And yeah. And it wasn't, there was an attachment in the sense of, Overexcitement when I saw him, or overexcitement when he saw me. It was, it was just this quiet but thick connection that almost, almost like just very subtle like the the communication was extremely subtle like being able to look at him and look at his food bowl and have him go and eat or having him just spontaneously based on him observing me and living with me and spending so much time with me like he would just know things 
as I thought them to a degree. Mm. Um, I know that sounds kind of maybe ridiculous or far-fetched or whatnot, but he just knew me inside and out. And I knew him inside and out. And there was, he had nothing left in regards to fear or animosity or over over excitement over anything poor it judgment was poor judgment like he was a finished dog yeah in the most complete sense yeah and i have not seen that to date me neither and i'm not trying to brag about it because i'm not i can't put a tally on how much of that was me and how much of that was him and i'm i don't need to and i don't want to I'm more just extremely thankful for being able to have had that feeling in that relationship Mm. because that growth that took place really uh, set the bar for <clears throat> what a um, relationship could be between a human and a dog like the the depth was so uh the depth of the relationship and the the connection like i guess exalted or really uh, highlighted not necessarily just the relationship that a human could have with a dog, but what a human could have with another human or what a a human could have with life. Hmm. And again, it wasn't this, it was so placid, but powerful. Like it wasn't like I was just bubbling and I was walking around smiling all the time and I wasn't bubbling. Not that that's a bad thing if somebody has that with their relationship, but with their dog, but yeah, it's, it's hard to put in words. The having a feeling of having so much trust in something else other than yourself or just having trust in something (laughs) to that extent. Like I did not think like I, I just knew that he would always make good choices. I literally knew that that was the case when he was finished. Yes. In any situation. Yeah. 
like whether he was meeting a new animal for the first time or um it just didn't matter what the situation was and i didn't have to tell him what to do either yeah like he got to such a place to where if he like i remember bringing him into this pen with this uh this ass this donkey because uh, he was at the property for some nativity scene for the <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> like and, a local church. Yeah. And just for the night. And I brought him in there because I was like, you've never seen an animal like this before. And I came in and the little donkey came up to me and like was all cute. And then he saw Juno and just pinned his ears and... <laughs> bolted after Juno and Juno took off and ran away from the donkey away from the donkey like <laughs> whoa my goodness like I get I see the body language of this weird creature coming at me and I'm out of here and the donkey ended up catching him and like like biting his butt as he was running and Juno tumbled like a lot and he just got up and like ran right over to me but not in like a panicked kind of way. He just came over to me and he's like, you're going to protect me. Mm-hmm. And there was just kind of that that level of decision making, whereas before he would have gone for that. Totally. He would have been like, <laughs> it's on, right? Yeah. And yeah, so so – being in a relationship that developed to the extent that it did really nourished my soul and my heart and showed me that you can get to a place like that. You can have that feeling. And for me, like I said, that really raised the bar in regards to relationships, it doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want that for me and life, having that much trust that life will work out. Mm. Um, Having that much trust in like our relationship, Mm -hmm. my relationship with my sister, my mom, like students trusting that they will find their way, Mm -hmm. you know, but, Yeah, just really opening my eyes to that experience and what that could be. And and being able to walk around with an off-leash dog, like for the, unless, unless like we were somewhere and I like literally had to have a leash on him mm-hmm. he, for 50% of his life, he was off-leash. Mm-hmm. Well, probably a lot more he was off well, leash. Well, yes, but, but 50% he was like off leash and respectful yeah. and making un- good choices making all the good time. Making good choices, yes. I mean, we would like walk to a place where were we? We were in like Montana or something traveling and we walked we were walking around this little town. It was the one that had like the murals painted on the ground and we were 
walking around and Juno was off leash and I think Stitch was with us and we went into a coffee shop and you just looked at Juno and walked in. Yeah. And Juno just laid down. Yeah. And I was outside with Stitch probably. And he'd just stare at the door. And he was he would look at yeah, but he would look at the door, but then like people would walk yeah. by and or like dogs would walk by. Yeah. Bicycles would walk by, like or ride by. Just life was happening and he was just chilling. Yeah. He, he was wasn't so like peaceful. Hyper fixated on the door, like where's where's dad? Where's right. dad? You know? Or like, oh, you know, dog, I gotta go meet them. Like he he just understood what was happening. Yeah. And you didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to. I mean, I worked at that quite a bit when I like the first three years. Yeah, but you weren't like sit no, down, I, stay. Yeah, you know? I didn't have to. I just like almost had the thought, and then he'd just be like, "Okay, you're going in there." Yeah, and I can't. And then go he would in. get casual and like lay down or just sit, and, like watch. And I would go in the coffee shop, and like every once in a while, I'd just look over at him just to check in. Yeah, but I didn't need to. Yeah. Um. At all. Or like like, dogs would come by or people would walk by and pet him. Yeah. And he would stay down. Yeah. (laughs) Like he would just be like, oh, yes, pet me. Okay. If you want to pet me, go ahead. Like I'm indifferent. (laughs) You know, like I'm do what you got to do. Right. But I'm just chilling here waiting for my my human. Yeah. I remember um, a couple of years ago you were working on renovating the barn Mm. and you're working like pretty long hours um taking everything out cleaning it we're having a lot of work done on it and juno was chilling with you and i was i would go out and like take the boarding dogs take stitch out for a walk on the property Mm -hmm. and I would pass Juno laying in the grass and I wouldn't call him over and you didn't tell him anything. He's just there with you. And I would go out and I'd be like 15 minutes away on the property. And like, here comes Juno trotting up. Like, oh, I felt like joining you for your walk. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Sometimes he would go and join you. Sometimes he would hang with me. Or I'd pass back by the bar and he'd be like, all right, thank you. And then he'd go back down and hang out with you. Yeah. But like, like you could leave, you left him outside, like in the summer, you'd go inside, make smoothies or something. Yeah. And like the property owner would roll up with her grandkids her or like, contractor, like, like her, yeah. she would go riding with like her f- girlfriends on horses. And he was just like, anything could happen out there. Yeah. And he would have a positive experience with it and make good choices about it. Even if it was interacting with him. Yeah. He could he could problem solve and be like, what's what's courteous? What's like, how should I maneuver this situation? Right. Yeah, On his I, own. Yeah. 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 I remember one time at drop offs, I was chatting or doing something and Juno was laying in the sun just in the summertime. And I was having a conversation. I turn around and there's this little kid who's now laying on the ground on his stomach (laughs) face-to-face with Juno, just petting him, staring at him. They're both laying on the ground. Both laying on the ground. (laughs) 
And the kid's dad's like, all right, let's go. And obviously, I'm just thinking to myself, like, I'm like glad that he's a good dog. Yeah. I mean, obviously, because he's off leash and kind of away from me and, like, super chilling. But, yeah, things like that would happen. And, yeah, it's just. It was also cool to see, like, the reaction that other dogs would have to him. Mm. And like, we fostered some pretty insecure, um, troubled dogs. Yeah. And they would all snuggle Juno. Yeah. They gravitated to him in a they, big way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the that red zone uh, pit that we had he would snuggle with juno um at night and they would also play but juno knew adam i'm assuming what that dog was capable of mm-hmm. and the switch that could flip and so they would play but it would get to a certain point and then he would just go still juno would and he'd tap out and maybe like lay on the ground or he would change something in his demeanor that would kind of just casually end the play. When it was like getting too excited yes. or. Yeah. Yeah. Closer to like reactivity. Yeah. Like a reactive place for the other dog. And that dog was really big, powerful. Yeah. That dog was hardcore. Or, you know, a situation where I think I talked about it. I talk about it in another podcast where an off leash dog came after us and I had to tackle it and then Juno got on top of it as well. Mm. And because this dog was a killer. And then at the same time, I would maybe go and break up a dog scuffle at the park or like whatever and he wouldn't do it. Yeah. And like just had the 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 ability to to discern different situations, you know, where that dog was coming to attack us. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm, I'm down. Mm-hmm. And then similar situation, but not mm-hmm. where he's just like, oh, I'm going to not help you because yeah, you've got yeah. this, yeah. you know? Um, anyways. There was something about him and, People that have met him maybe felt it as well, but he had like like I met you the week that you got him, and mm-hmm. so it was, I felt very blessed that I was able to like watch your whole relationship happen um, and he had a qual like an energy about him that made me it like made me want to be better. It was like a knowing that he had or like an awareness that he had where like he would look at me and I'd be like, "Whoa, you're like you're looking at me." And like I it it made me want to be like a good part in his life. Hmm. Like I didn't want to let him down almost Hmm. because he had such big awareness. 
that right. it's like he would know if I was letting him down, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, right. I don't want to be that for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gave, you gave him so much. I gave him so much. I think that's another thing where it's like, I gave him so much of me. Like I just gave him myself. Mm. And I feel like he felt that. <clears throat> and and he gave me his all, yeah. you know? And that's kind of, again, coming back to that feeling of that just a, a whole relationship. Yeah. Wholeness. Yeah. Where I didn't let anything slide. I didn't let, I, I was, my standards are extremely high. <laughs> extremely <laughs> high. And that's the other thing is that, because I work with dogs, I wanted to have the best dog, not like right. the, an, an obedient dog, because that—that's what it was. Like that—that that is what it is. I remember, you know, beginning to work with dogs, and just every once in a while, people poking my head into the dog training world and just seeing, seeing it. And being like, eh, that's none of that stuff is really for me to a degree. Mm. <laughs> and not having a, a visual of what that, what a relationship I, I felt could be. Like no, thank, like no example. No example of it. Mm. Yeah. And, and so I guess I just like kept my head down and, and just kept, tinkering and and keeping my standards high and just just having a feeling like this can be better it can be better we can be better we can be better we can be better we can be better and i wanted to get to such a degree to where there was just no question of what it could be right and like how complete it could be right as like as like a business card to a degree you know like he was my business card <laughs> walk a cute like my companion you yeah. know like my relationship was with him was i mean he in essence is my mirror yeah he reflects what i'm capable of as a dog handler yeah um in in so many words you know so in that sense i just wanted to continue to grow and help him elevate himself and so i guess we just kind of kept doing that and kept doing that and got to where we did so what's cool about him and i mean Along the lines of what you're you're talking about, I feel like I had a similar realization or reflection in seeing it through you two. In seeing your relationship, I feel like that rose my standard of relationships because I saw what was possible mm. in what you you two had. Whereas I feel like you created that on your own. I was able to look and be like, oh, there it is. Like, there's the example. Um, 
but like with the way that we work with dogs you know we talk a lot about like neutral and awareness and I don't know I feel like there can be feeling a feeling yeah but like that neutrality because he had so much neutral yeah it was he had so much of it it was pervasive but he had so he had the biggest personality out of maybe any dog I've seen yeah and met and felt because it was completely uninhibited yeah like you used to say this years ago you'd be like he has the most boundaries and the most freedom Mm, yeah and his boundaries aren't like you know sit over here be in your bed jump on this rah 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 it was like be a here's your etiquette like be a good citizen like treat other beings with kindness and mm. compassion. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. Though. I remember saying that. You said that all. You used to say that all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a dog that I I didn't know any other dog who had more boundaries than him. Yeah. But he had more freedom than any dog that I knew. Yeah. 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 And so it's like that again. We talk about this a lot, but this foundation of being able to come back to the self or come back to neutrality, come down. But then it's like from that place where you're not, um, you don't have things like fear or insecurities or reactivity or big bouts of emotions yeah. coming up in your existence like Juno you just have yourself and your personality. Yeah. And so he was so expressive and like like you were saying with like the rocks. Like he played so hard. Yeah. And he had so much fun. Yeah. He had so much fun. Like all the time. Yeah. And not like jolly like you know, just like, like a like a goober. Yeah, like a goober fun. <laughs> Which is fine, but Yeah, yeah it just wasn't his that. his style. Um yeah. But he was goofy. He was super goofy. Like he would push his rocks around and make these like funny noises as he pushed them around. Yeah. And like make up games for himself. Like he would put his rock in bushes just yeah. to make it more interesting. <laughs> yeah, if I was working with a dog or or something like that, he would Play with himself, like or, yeah, preoccupy like, himself. Like we'd with be something. sitting around a campfire at like midnight, <laughs> right. and he'd be off in the bushes playing with himself, right. like having. And then he'd come out like an hour later, <laughs> panting, just like, "Oh my god, I was having so much fun by myself." <laughs> oh man. Or like I remember Jenny and I would be on the river, John's sister, and we'd like bury a rock for him. And I remember him looking at me and just being like, "Really." Like, that's so easy. And he'd just, like, tap, tap, tap on the ground, and there's the rock, and then pick it up and drop it again and be like, make it harder. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember, oh, man. So I remember doing this hike up in the, like, Rainier National Park, and we got to the top of this kind of ridge, and then... It, it just fell off into like this big snowball. Mm. 
And I remember getting a rock and just throwing it as far as I possibly could down this massive slope. And he just took off and like slid down. (laughs) And he became like the tiniest little dot. Mm. It was that far. And then, I don't know, 20 minutes later, because I saw him, it was just like a giant snowball. So it's just like this black dot running around, you know. (laughs) And like 20 minutes later, he came back with that rock. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he like would play and spar with like dogs. It doesn't matter what the dog was. Yeah, Yeah. dogs in the pack, dogs at dog parks. He could play with puppies. He could play with giant breeds like yeah, and he, he would scale. Yeah, he and would. And he would. He enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, he he was uninhibited by any fear, overexcitement, oh, like anxiety or like intensity for a particular thing like food or this or like he could break away from anything, leave anything, yeah. you know. But it wasn't a dull. Yeah wholeness it wasn't a dull neutrality it was so lively yeah when if if you wanted liveliness he could give it to you in an instant yeah so there's just so much kinetic energy flowing through his physiology but if he was just sitting there observing it was it was just emanating mm. so anyways I could go on talking about him, <laughs> and I feel like I'm not doing him justice. I feel like I we could talk I about him will, for but... a day, and we wouldn't be doing him justice. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm just very thankful that um, we're actually doing this podcast, and, and I'm sitting right where he passed away here at home. Um yeah, he passed away. Like he was great. My he I was playing fetch with him with a rock and then like the next day I was like running him on the bike. He'd run next to me on the bicycle out here in Iowa cuz he loved to run. Yeah, he he was down to to go. <laughs> <laughs> like loved it. Even right up until he died and then I took him out one evening to to go to the bathroom before bed and he just laid down in the grass and then within 24 hours he was gone but he he went so smoothly so smoothly just yeah quiet and i'm sitting right where he passed so um it's perfect yeah and I feel like, um, you know, the, the relationship, having grown the way that it did, I did not look at him like he was a dog. Like he helped me kind of almost transcend to a degree what I saw. And like, I don't look at dogs necessarily as dogs. I see them as beings. Mm in a different shape and form and they've they experience life differently but i i kind of look at 
at dogs thanks to Juno as just being kind of on the same level as them. Like I'm not superior than them. We're just beings living here in life and, and learning and growing. And um, yeah, just very thankful for everything that he taught me and showed me and yeah. Yeah. So it was an honor. A a big, big, big honor. So now let's talk about Nuggy. (laughs) Nuggy, that is one of Stitch's nicknames. Or Nugs. Nugs or Nuggy. Yeah. Yeah. Stitch. Um, He's my companion. He's sitting right next to me. Um, <laughs> Half asleep. Like, droopy, droopy sagging eyes and then like doing the nod to sleep, smacking his lips. Uh, he's a 35-pound stumpy tail cattle dog. So he's like gray, gray, black, and white speckles. Um, blue healer. Blue healer. No. Yeah. He's blue. He's blue. He's, 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 he's real blue. He's blue. Yeah. Um, he came into my life, our life, you could say, because uh, John and Juno were in our life, mine and Stitches, uh, in 2015. Uh, and he came to me as a foster. So at the time, we had a friend in the industry, like our only friend in the industry for like the first seven years yeah. that I was working with you. Um, and she was really big into rescue and had this huge network of people that she knew. She's up in Washington, really wonderful woman. And she... She had Stitch as a foster, and I remember you and I were road tripping. I think we were, like, in southeastern Oregon. Yeah, I had mentioned that, like, I enjoyed cattle dogs. Like, I liked that uh-huh. person. Because Juno, I thought at the time, or maybe still was a pit cattle dog. And so I mentioned to her that we liked cattle dogs. And you said to me on the road, we were just chatting, and you were like, oh, would you ever foster a dog? And I was like, yeah, I didn't have a dog at the time. Mm -hmm. I hadn't had a dog since my last guide dog, who actually just passed about a week ago. Um, But I was in college, and no, I think I had just graduated from college. But I didn't have a dog in college because I was like, it's a lot of work. You know, I understand what it takes, or I did in my own way at the time. Um, so I wasn't ready for that kind of commitment. And you asked, you're like, well, would you be open to a foster? And I was like, yeah, totally. And you're like, what about this one? And you just like pull up your phone oh, yeah. and you're like, what about this? And it was Stitch. Yeah. Because she had reached out to you like a couple of days earlier yeah. asking about him. Yeah, and I remember. Like, Are you interested in fostering? Yeah. And I remember just being like, sure. And I don't know, a couple of days later, he was with us. Yeah. Um, but she had asked you. Because he's deaf, 
and he he was pulled from California somewhere and she he was a like a behavioral case and mm-hmm. needed to go to someone to foster him that had experience working with dogs and not just a home because he needed work. Right. Um, and so I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Bring him on. <clears throat> when he came in to my life, he he's, his stuff was is kind of interesting to explain. It's not common. It's, it's not. It's not like, oh, he liked to bite people or like, oh, he was super skittish. Um, he had a lot of flight and a lot of freeze, which I hadn't dealt with like a dog freezing. So he would, so, okay. At the time we were living with a couple of roommates and there were some stairs in the house that we lived in. And I remember bringing him in the front door cause she had dropped him off there and just like feeling him out and you were in the room and maybe Juno was in the room and I think I needed to get upstairs and I was going to take him and he just totally shut down, like would not move, froze as I was like trying to get him up the stairs. And I was like, this is weird. Like he can't go upstairs. And over the next like week or two, I realized he couldn't do anything. Yeah. Anytime he had to think about something, he would freeze. Freeze. Or. Or bolt. bolt. Yeah. Yeah. Or try to bolt. Try to bolt. And he would freeze through or like, like, um, we had a friend and she had a, has a dog, had a dog and we were coming up to each other to meet, to like hang out or go for a walk. And they're her dog was off leash and just went right after stitch like attacked him and he just like took it just like froze i was like ah. i'm just like it's like he was like possuming mm-hmm. and just totally leaves the body he's like i'm totally out and then later on it would be like run mm-hmm. run away from it but yeah his flight wasn't like panicky no it was like it was just turn and go it was like just it wasn't gone. it wasn't scattered no it was he just gave you like, no cues it, it was yeah. just very quick yeah like he would have a thought and then he would run <laughs> just just be gone and then he would and it, run and it would be like if you took your hat off and he yeah caught a glimpse of it and be like nope yeah gone or yeah. nope i'm just like deer in headlights yeah like totally frozen he but also like no reactivity no, in the fight sense or with his mouth or anything no like i that. mean he one of the things that i love about him and i he came like this is stitch it has nothing to do with me is that he had no prey drive he will he had a phase where he wanted to herd mm-hmm. but he'll like like cats will come up and boop him in the face. And he's like, hi, I love you. He sees a squirrel, nothing. A bird, nothing. Yeah. Like a deer, nothing. Cows, nothing. Like no drive to kill. Mm-hmm. Like babies, nothing. Mm-hmm. And when I picked him up, he was still like, he needed to get some vet stuff done. And like every vet he walks into from the beginning, it's like everyone falls in love with him. 
and he's just like the shutdown cattle dog. Right. <laughs> like, so anyways, so he had the freeze and he had the flight, which is super challenging. The flight when he's deaf, and we run an so off leash service. Yeah, like I'm not gonna. I like there was no part of me that was like he's gonna be on leash for his life. Like right. he's gonna be off leash. And he's deaf and we're going to figure it out. And he has like severe flight. That's just yeah, like. Yeah, there was no question. No. It was just, even though he was down a sense, we're like, whatever. Yep. Like, you're just going to treat you like a normal dog. Yep. We have to do things differently. But Although like, I did have a moment where I was like Googling, are there like dog sign language books? Mm. Because it's like, what what cues do I use for him? Like, what do I teach him to, as a cue for like anything, like recall or whatever. He also had this thing when I got him where he wouldn't look above your ankles. He wouldn't look above ankle level. Like one foot was the world. Yeah. He would not look to your shins, to your knees, to your face. Eye contact was like a, yeah, freaking right. Yeah. There's like, that's just like light years away for him. Yeah. Like he was, it was like he was in flight all the time. And I remember the first walk I took him on was a meetup. We used to do mm. meetups with the pack mm-hmm. where we'd all bring like. We'd invite we didn't, our, like the whole, our whole client base, all of our pack members to go for like a big pack walk basically. Yeah, on the property. Yeah. And it was like the day after I got him and he pulled like a freight train the whole time. And I remember trying to socialize with right. a new client and I'm like, what is what is this dog? He's just a tank. Yeah. Like legitimately just like in flight the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like I gotta get out, I gotta get out, I gotta get out. Uh, like so checked out. So that was super challenging to con- connect with him. Or- was he food motivated? No. No. He wasn't until later. Right. So it wasn't, yeah, and we weren't working with food. Right. Um, but like I just, I was trying to remember, cause like feeding him, he was just kind of like. Man. I hand fed him. Right. For a long time because he wouldn't eat. Right. Yeah. Like super, super shut down. Or like we do the run. And I think he started before the run existed. But when mm, we started yeah. the run, no freaking way. Like right. I would get onto the side by side or into the vehicle or onto a horse or like onto the couch and he's like she's gone. Yeah, you literally disappear. Like and his eyesight's fine. And his eyesight's totally fine. His eyesight's fine. He could not see me. He'd be looking at me in the face and be like, "Where are you?" Yeah. And like very bizarre. Very bizarre. Like severe separation anxiety. Not like I'm going to kill myself jumping out windows, but like if yeah, I can't was, see you, I'm gonna freak out. Yeah, I remember. Like I'm gonna that be was a long barking. Journey. I'm gonna be pacing. I'm gonna get frantic. That was a long journey. Mm, very long. Yeah. It was a very long journey. Lots of work. Um, very similar to what I went through with Juno, though. Yeah, I mean, we very never. Similar. He was never in a crate, so I don't know what he would have done. Right. If he might have tried to bust out. Hmm. Um. Yeah, serious separation anxiety. And then just like trying to connect with him. Like it was a really slow build out. Because when he did start connecting with eye contact, if I took a step away from him, 
he couldn't he couldn't connect. Or if there was a barrier, like a fence, like a low fence, and I'd like get onto the other side of the fence, he couldn't look up. Mm-hmm. Like he, he just didn't exist in his world. Um. So that was that was very interesting. And I had him for about two months, and I didn't work through everything. He had a, quite a bit going on yeah. in his little body. Yeah. But I got him to a place where, like, he was hiking with the pack off leash. Um, he had good recall. He was starting to, like, connect more. He was walking well on leash. Like, just some basic stuff where I'm like, all right, like, you're better. And you could go to a home and do great in a home. And so at that time, I was like, I'm not ready for a dog. You're your foster. And the woman that I was fostering him through found this family that the there was a, a woman and a, a daughter, and they were adopting each other. Like it was a foster daughter and then they were making the choice to become a family and like adopt each other. And they wanted to bring a dog in as well and like all come together together. And the mom, she worked in special ed and so he was going to go to school with her. And I was like, this is amazing because he can be with her um, and he loves kids. So he gets to like have some kind of fulfilling life. And he still had some like some of that flight and fear and like freeze and all yeah, that going he, on. There was still like there was still a lot to work through. There was still a lot, was, but he was manageable. Yeah. Um but yeah, I remember like is it was like he just didn't know what feeling or connection was like there was just it was like he was walking around in life alone even though he was attached to you i remember that being very visceral where he would just walk around and he was just kind of like a shell yeah like there was no presence really it was just like he was in a different realm like in totally. a, in a, in his body but like not there. Yeah. You know. And like I'd be on the other side like hello, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here and he would just be like you don't exist. Yeah, just like, like you're on a different dimension. Yeah, super bizarre. It was very bizarre. And it was it was really challenging for me because he's deaf. So like yeah. it's not like I could make noises or like snap him out of it. Like he would just and you could see him. Like he'd be kind of out of his shell moving and then you'd ask him to do something or like he'd have yeah. to think. Yeah. He'd have to think rationally and you could see him just go into himself. Fade away. And yeah. just like totally like you're like, oh, there he goes. He's gone. Dissolve. Like, yeah. Anything new. If like you were like teaching him how to jump into the vehicle. Oh, God. Like forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> just anything new. Yeah was it was like starting completely from scratch yeah. with a com- brand new dog. Yeah. Absolutely everything. Everything. <laughs> everything. Going upstairs, going into the water, Yeah. walking on leash, being off leash. Yeah, because like, you would teach him to go up one set of stairs, but then 
if it was a different set of stairs, you'd have to start all over again. Yeah. Or like the next day, he'd be like, oh, I'm frozen. Yeah. Anything. And we love to like expand dogs' awareness and have them grow and learn. And so I'm like, let's grow and learn. And at every turn, he's like, I'm going to shut down. Yeah. I'm going to run away. I'm going to shut down. I'm going to run away. Like, it's a lot of work. There's no like drive to connect or like anything be a part of life yeah it was like very bizarre it was like it's like it's like he was living in flight like yes but again not in like the flight but not like what a lot of people associate with like he's not like walking around kind of pinned to the ground and looking over his back no he didn't have that kind of awareness exactly yeah like it was I've never seen a case like him <laughs> since him. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Because that's very true. Because dogs in flight or like feral dogs, they can have a lot of awareness. They're aware of everything. Of, yes, exactly. And he was aware of nothing. Yeah. He was aware of nothing. Until it was like right on him. And then he was like, okay, goodbye. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to peace out. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Or I'm just going to f- stay here and just look all bug eyed. <laughs> At the ground. I'm going to stare at the ground and just yeah. totally shut down. Yeah. He was very peculiar. Yeah. Yeah. And there were like a couple of, and the thing is, is when they're deaf, if he goes into flight, I'm running after him. Yes. If you don't have a long line on if him. If you don't or, have a long line on him or yeah. he's not on a leash, which yep. we're building him out off leash. Mm-hmm. If something happened, I'm like, here I go. I'm, I'm booking it. Yeah. Because he's not looking over his shoulder at me. He's not checking anything. Yeah. I don't exist. He's just running. Thankfully, he didn't go at a sprint either. Like, he no, doesn't. No, he just trotted away. He, <laughs> he just, just trotted away. He didn't do anything really fast either. Like, if something spooked him, he would just, again, like I said, he would do a 180, not quickly, no. but then he would just start trod not not sprinting but like running yeah he'd run yeah but it wasn't a full tilt no it wasn't like out of fear it's like it wasn't out of this frantic like bolt it was just like i'm out of here yeah it was very bizarre so he was with those okay so he was with the foster people and i don't know maybe like so I had him for two months and then we found this couple or this woman and daughter and I was like, this is great. Meet and greet. Seems good. Adopted him out. And they lived like in the country, maybe like an hour and a half from us. And like two weeks go by and the woman, the mom reaches out to me and is like, hey, you know, I don't know. I'm just like not clicking with Stitch. Like things seem off. Like it's just not just doesn't feel right something's not you know something's just not there between us and in my head i'm like yeah he has like this fear but he loves people like he he bonds with like the vet techs you know he bonds with like everybody um like he would do meet and greets when we were trying to look for a home and like he's just very social with people so it's like that's odd let's like do a check-in like, I think it was over the phone or they were going to come up to Portland and just like give them some tips and go over some things that they can work on. 
And I think like a day before we were supposed to meet, I get a call from um, Dawn, the woman who was running the the organization that I fostered him through. And she's like, Stitch is missing. And so I was like, okay, what's going on? Tried to get as much information. Um, I think I drove down to where he was staying that day or the next morning. I think I heard in the evening. And it was as soon as I could, I drove down there. Met up with the woman. She was probably embarrassed. Uh, like her information wasn't great. I was like, what was this? Where did he go? What was his state of mind? What were you doing? And I was getting like vague answers. I'm like, did he have a leash on him? Like, you know, did he have a collar on? What direction? What, how fast was he moving? Um, got like some, like he went that way and I don't know, we were just going out or something pretty vague. Um, so I like went driving around looking again. I can't like stick my head out of the car and call for him because he's deaf. So I was just like there with my windows down, looking for him, maybe like a scent would draw him out. Um, I think we drove, I drove down three times and you drove down twice to mm -hmm. look. And just drive around and like, I think I, I drove down and you drove down with some of our pack members because we were like with the windows down yeah. just to get the scent yeah. out and maybe we'd draw him out. But. And he had been sighted by this reservoir kind of on the outskirts of that town. And, we're, like, and the location is like pretty country. Like yeah. It's, it's very quote it's unquote like, wild. It's like farmlands. Yep. And like state park state land parks, and whatnot. Yeah. So there are like cougars there. There are coyotes. coyotes. There are um, big highways. Yeah. Yeah. So he was last sighted at this reservoir and that's where we did quite a bit of walking and this woman, Dawn, was amazing. She had maybe a hundred people out there yeah, two days was, in a row looking for him. Yeah. No but one. at the time, when he's in flight, he's in flight. And so I'm like, he's not going to go up to anyone. He's not just going to wander up to someone on the trail. He's just going to go feral. <laughs> like, just go be stitch in the wild. Or like get spooked and then right go trotting off and then be like wait a second where am i yeah and then be there and then be trotting along until he gets spooked again he's like oh goodbye and then run off yeah. and then be like wait a second where am i <laughs> yeah and then that just repeats <laughs> over and over again yeah um so we and it was the middle of summer yeah so he went missing so June it's like a hundred degrees out yeah. for a week straight, two weeks straight, something like that. It was, it was it a was hot, hot summer. Um, so we looked for a while and I think I went back like a, for a couple weekends after that and, and then was like, all right, like they'll let me know. Like I can't look forever. I have to like go to work and it was a bit of a drive for us. Um, and he hadn't had any more, they hadn't had any more sightings of him after that one. Um, which is super challenging to have a dog go missing and you don't know what happened. Like the whole time he was missing, I was like, is he dead? Is he alive? Do I, do I keep fighting for him? Do I let him go? Like what, you know, what feelings 
should I be having? Um, I, I remember when he went missing and I just, I was really sad because he was like, I knew who he was, but I was like, dude, he's down a sense. Yeah. He can't hear. Like, how is he going to survive? How is he going to hear, like, a car if he's wandering on the road? Like, my brain just started going in all these shitty situations, yeah. you know? Or, like, a predator sneaking up on him. Mm -hmm. Like, he can't hear that, yeah. you know? It's just, like, I was bummed out. Yeah. I was very bummed. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. It's just, it's very isolating. Yeah. Helpless. <laughs> when you can't hear like, so anyways, during that time, I had started looking for a dog, like on Craigslist and just like slowly coming into my awareness. Um, and I was looking for a cattle dog and I'd look at cattle dogs and, you know, different ones that would come up through rescues. A lot of it was Craigslist at that time because- mm -hmm. Again, like our world was so small. Um, and I kept being like, well, that one's red. I want a blue one. Oh, that one's female. I want male. Oh, that one's got a tail. That one's not deaf. And I'm like, I'm just looking for Stitch. <laughs> so he was gone for two months, 60 days. And he was found. Eventually, he got hungry enough where he wandered into some gentleman's barn and started munching on his cat food that he had, like, laying around somewhere. And I'm going to throw this in. If maybe you believe it, maybe you don't. I'm just going to put the information out there. So about, like, almost to the two-month mark, about a week before he was found... I went camping about 10 or 5 to 10 miles from where he was found for a weekend. I drove right past the reservoir, drove right past where he was found, and a week later he surfaced. So make of that what you will. <laughs> um, anyways, he had found his way into this guy's barn he weighs 35 pounds. He weighed 18 pounds at the time. And this woman, Dawn, the gal who I fostered him through, she reached out and sent a picture of him and was like, we found Stitch because her network was so huge that it pinged. Someone knows someone, you know, Facebook groups or whatever. Got back to Dawn and she's like, I know this dog. And the woman who we adopted him out to, technically, it was he was hers. So if she wanted him, she could have him. Um, and I remember being like, oh, man, like I really want him. Thankfully, she was like, oh, he's now he's all messed up and super challenging and I don't want him. Thankfully. So within me receiving the text message, within 24 hours, he was at my door, which is crazy. And they took him to the vet down in that area. He had a bunch of like 
Foxtails. Foxtails. Hundreds. I don't he know. had a lot. They pulled a lot out. And then for months, they would like come out of his body. Yeah. Yeah, like, they were. Like eject was... from like his paws yeah. and like his ears. Like they pulled so many out. And then more just fell out of him. And he was like just skin and bones, like just completely emaciated. Completely, yeah. I yeah. just, I can't believe that he survived two months he in had that, like that hot of a summer fish some kind of fish oh, poisoning yeah, the, um yeah. like the woman that the vet was like he was probably like eating dead fish at the mm -hmm. reservoir um anyway so he had a whole new thing going on he was super food motivated now right. <laughs> i had to like work him down off of that excitement yeah. for food um was building his weight back up uh, he like now nests, which is very cute and very practical. Yes. So when he's tired or especially like when it's warm out, he'll kind of make a dig down like a layer. I mean, he'll dig anything. Like if, he, if he's tired, <laughs> it's carpet. If it's if he's tired and he's on tile, he'll scrape at the tile. But like anytime he's tired, he'll do that. Yeah first and then he'll curl up in a little ball but yeah he didn't do but that he didn't do that he didn't and he'll do, do that it. before he didn't do that before he went missing and when he's hot he'll do it like at the beach he'll dig down mm -hmm. a layer and then get to the cool yeah cool earth and then nest in there i um, was so pumped when he came back yeah we me were, too. i was so pumped yeah i was in shock that he made it yeah like again bringing it back to like him being deaf i was just like are you kidding me <laughs> how because there are highways because there are predators like uh, and just knowing who he was yeah and like having not having a whole lot of quote-unquote awareness and intelligence yeah. you know i was like i just I was so, so excited. So he came back. Um, I brought him into the house and he was pretty checked out. Like I, he didn't recognize us. He didn't know where he was. Like, um, And so I was feeding him like small meals throughout the day is what they recommended to not give him like a lot of food, but just a little bit frequently. So I gave him a small meal and he passed out in his food bowl and it was in the evening. And oh, yeah, we have a picture of that. It was very cute. But I was still like, he doesn't know where he is. Like, he's just, he, he doesn't. And I think I let him out to pee in the middle of the night. I don't know why I needed to. Maybe he had drank water or something. I let him out to pee in the middle of the night and he was like out in our backyard, just kind of like sniffing around. And I remember he looked over at me and I was like, oh, hi, it's you. And he looked at me like, oh, it's you. Like, oh, I'm here. Like there was like presence mm -hmm. again. Um, but like still had his separation anxiety was worse it grew. it grew as you two bonded it, it grew. grew worse and that's yeah. when i committed to him that's yeah. when i was like we're companions right um and i feel like he felt that and right. so 
his and he's like don't leave me (laughs) don't put me through that again yeah so his separation anxiety was pretty bad like the next day yeah he was like his like behaviors were coming you, out. You couldn't leave the room. I Everything was, that was heightened. Yeah. For sure. And I remember you and I had a conversation because he's like the skin and bones. He's got like seeds coming out of his eyeballs. Like just yeah. not doing great. And I remember you being like, I think after like three or four days, three days, you were like, he needs structure. I know he's sick or like he looks sick and that he's recovering from this traumatic experience, but he needs your guidance, not just you to nurture him. Mm -hmm. And that was a big deal for me because I, you know, you never, you don't know like how long to wait and you're like, oh, he's still really thin and this and that. And it was so helpful for me to like just kind of snap me out of it and be like, he's not living in the past. So I'm not going to live in the past and I'm going to treat him with like softness and kindness and respect and do what he needs to do to get his body strong again. But you're right. I need to put things in place because he needs that mentally. He needs, we need to overcome this stuff. Yeah. And just seeing how it had grown and was growing, I was like, this is going in the wrong direction. Right. But I, but like, I could easily have been like, oh, he's, you know. Yeah. Postponed that. And, yeah, yeah. And thinking about like his, what he had just gone through and yeah, everything. And totally. I was, but I was also like, all right, let's, let's like get our groove back right. and like work on this stuff. Yeah, so we moved forward together. Um, integrated him back into the pack. I think we went on a road trip together, maybe less than a month later. Um, built up his strength and... Yeah. Worked through all the things. <laughs> Worked through all of the things. And yeah, again, it was just very peculiar like we'd be doing stuff and going here going there and be like whoa okay well this is we gotta work on this now yeah like things would just come out of nowhere yeah random weird yeah things um yeah and you've just been so dedicated to his development so dedicated and I mean, I look at him and I don't really notice that he's deaf. No, but he's also he's off leash all the time, and he's not flighty anymore. And he gets along with dogs, and he's cool with weird things. Like you poked at everything and helped him through all of that stuff. Yeah, Um, to such a degree, like. He's second to Juno. He's the best dog that I've met. And he's deaf. So, like, again, that's kind of (laughs) ridiculous. He's down that sense. And he is who he is. 
Um, I think a part of it, it it goes back to like the conversation that you had about kind of being like, he's not living in the past, so you shouldn't either. hmm. It's the same thing where it's like, he doesn't know he's deaf, so don't limit him. Yeah. Yep. And that wasn't that didn't ever need to be a conversation because yeah, it wasn't. That was just how it was going to be. Yeah, which has been so amazing for me because it's it's taken away noise, like actual noise but also just like <laughs> the the noisiness of ta- of talking and communicating mm-hmm. like yeah just having a relationship of silence mm. is like you were saying with Juno there's a subtleness to it yeah where like i sh- i shift my my weight or my energy and he feels me yeah he shifts and i feel him because and i had to build in this pretty deep awareness of him because he would trigger on a dime and I had to be right there mm-hmm. when he would trigger. Like there's no dilly-dallying and, oh, I'll recall him from across the field. Right. Like, no, no. And I, th- I think that we've always been good at follow through. Yeah. Um, which is Great, and but I I think it's one reason why you succeeded so much with him is because number one you had that built in, mm. and then number two you have to follow through with him. Yeah, because he's deaf. You don't have that audible ability. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I can't be like sitting in my chair talking to him across the room or something. You have to be. I act- have to get up yes. and go talk to him. Yes. Yeah. Like it's really active. Yeah. Um not but, necessarily as much now, obviously. No, no, no. But but when you were building him out and building a relationship, yeah, it just it reiterated and to a degree challenged your ability to follow through. Right. You know? Which is so beautiful because follow through with anything, especially working with animals, is crucial. Right. Um, and you don't have a choice unless I mean, unless I mean, I unless <laughs> you want to keep him on leash. Right. right. And then you're just it's you're just making life a lot easier. But well, we yeah. we like to be more free than that. Like our business is off leash, as you all no um and so that requires and required yeah you to follow through yeah because he's deaf and now he's like at the place that juno is at yeah like i walk him off leash everywhere yeah every in the middle of the city new york city yeah washington dc yeah and the country yeah yeah um yeah that awareness of him that was that was a big deal for mm-hmm. me being way more aware of what's going on right. with him all the time that was a big deal mm-hmm. a big change for me yeah <laughs> he's special 
Uh, what was cool seeing in his development, because he was so kind of shut down and disconnected, like maybe the word's disassociating, I don't know. Um, I don't know if dogs do that. But when he did connect, when he did, when his world got bigger, when he looked above the ground, when he looked at, into your eyes, when he would look at a bird in the sky, when he started to blossom, and we've seen this a couple of, like, handful of times with foster dogs, pack members, and Stitch, they go through this, like, childhood of, like, it's like they're, it's like he's like an adult puppy. Mm-hmm where he was playing and like super frisky with all the dogs and like being a puppy, but he's, I don't know, two or three years old. Yeah, he just started experiencing life for the first time. Right. And connecting with things. And he almost, it's almost like you see them feel love and feel beauty and see love and see beauty and joy. And yeah, they just, gets so playful yeah it's like they're he's like blossoming yeah like and i don't know what he had as an upbringing um but it's almost like he didn't get a childhood and so there's his childhood yeah and (laughs) yeah so he's been a big a big pleasure. And it, yeah, it's just, I've really, I've really enjoyed his silence. Like it's been really challenging in some ways when he's getting up in the middle of the night and I can't just audibly tell him to go to bed. I have to get up out of bed and tell him to go to bed. Right. Yep. Um, but then, but then like, I didn't have to work on vacuum cleaners with him. Right. Yeah. You didn't have to work on <laughs> Or like people <clears throat> walk knocking at the door. Yeah. But I had to build in some serious, like, release all of the fear because he would not be reliable off leash and he has to be reliable off leash exactly so yeah Yeah, and just the connection that you two have like it's very deep very deep like people see that like it's just a no-brainer you know Mm -hmm. like what you mean to him um yeah it's beautiful to see it's mutual devotion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's been fun. And like, similar to Juno, I don't know if this is something that we create or whatnot. I don't think so. Maybe we just choose dogs with this kind of personality. But he will be passed out and you blow on his face or tap his ear and he'll, he'll, he'll work immediately. Mm, there's no like let me stretch and maybe later he's like what are we doing where are we going yeah let's get to work let's like go out let's like do stuff and he's still like he plays with like half the pack still yeah out on pack days like he's got his buddies out there he runs with them we taught him to swim so Mm. he swims now Yeah, he was not keen on swimming he would not swim he doesn't like he just does all the things yeah and enjoys himself yeah loves fetch loves loves the ball loves balls yeah (laughs) especially the glow in the dark ones yeah those are the best so anyways he's been a 
very enjoyable companion. And we don't know how we don't know how old he is. No. It's very beautiful. Like he has no age and to him he has no name. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Like I've never called him Stitch to him. Hmm. It's just like the word I use for the humans and he's just no name. He just is. Right. And then he has no age, so I'm like, you just, you just are, you just simple. And you say, hey, you. Oh yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> we had um, a friend. She was doing a day of silence, and I joined her. And we were um, with you, and she had a dog at the time, and she was like, John, can you watch my dog because. I'm doing a day of silence and I won't be able to have her like do my day because I can't call her if she, you know, cause she'll be off leash. I can't call her and this mm-hmm. and that or mm-hmm. tell her to eat her food or whatever. And I just did the normal day. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very enjoyable when you take out audibles, which we just do naturally with the pack. Yeah. Just, I it fades out. It fades out, but just like you have to work harder up front, but it's so good. It's so peaceful. Yeah, it's so peaceful. And like we one of the big things we teach dogs is leave it. He doesn't have a leave it. He doesn't have like a finger or a, an ask or anything. He has no leave it. It's just follow through. Mm-hmm. And, and having and, that awareness and the ability to feel. And if he sees us or feels us or whatever, then he peels away. Right. You know, he want, he goes, he leaves what he's doing to connect. Yeah. And be like, what do you need me? Do you, what's going on? Yeah. Are we leaving? Like what, what, what's going on here? Yeah. But yeah, it's, and, and that's where we get all of our pack members. Right. You know, so. But we usually get there through starting with a leave it. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't have any of that with him. Yeah, you didn't have that ability. Because like, if he's off in the distance eating something, I can't like do a hand signal and tell him to, you know, it's just right. doesn't, it just doesn't work. Right. So it's like an added challenge. Lot, was an added challenge. A lot of work. When he was getting his, when he was going through his development. Yeah, you you both put in a lot of time, to say the least. Should we conclude with the final companion? Yes. Merlin, the Mustang. So he, I guess, I had ridden maybe 10 times my whole life when I I got Merlin. Pretty ignorant of me to say yes to a seven-year-old wild Mustang because I had only ridden 10 times. (laughs) And one of those times was when I was younger and I got thrown off a horse and then didn't ride or didn't get on a horse, didn't even think about a horse until like 15 years after. And I rode a little bit in Germany at my uncle's like little ranch. But anyways, I was riding with a friend. Um, she had a few horses, and 
she went down to Burns, Oregon, which is where they have they capture the wild mustangs and they corral them. Um, and they hold them there uh, to get adopted and and whatnot. And she went down to pick up one and ended up coming back with two. And one of them was Merlin. And I was going down to her barn and we would go for rides. And I guess for whatever reason, I kind of took a liking to him. I had no thought of, of getting a horse. And I spent quite a bit of time just trying to touch him. Was this after you adopted him? No. Okay. This was before I'd go down, and he was wild as could be. Like, he was in a pen all by himself. You couldn't touch him. You couldn't get anywhere near him. And I was very stubborn. And I would go down, and I would be in his little pen area for like an hour, hour and a half, two hours, just trying to connect with him and have him be interested in me and not spooked or this or that and like trudging around in like mud like cause it's middle of winter Oregon like a foot of mud <laughs> in this pen with this this wild Mustang and I remember touching him for the first time it was his lower lip and like chin and I held my hand there and slowly his head just shifted like two centimeters down and got heavier in my hand. And then he shifted more and he just kept sinking into my hand, the palm of my hand, uh, kind of cupping his, his chin. And then the next day it was kind of starting all over again. Next time I saw him, which was maybe like, I don't know, once, like two weeks or something like that. But anyways, I, I showed a liking to him and and she was kind of getting rid of some horses and looking to move out of state. And at the time I was actually working in advertising and running Oregon Tales like part-time and I said yes to adopting him. She offered, and I was just like, yes. I <laughs> didn't really think about it. And so then he joined, he joined Juno and I. And Years before that, like I, I was interested in horses, even though I wasn't riding, I knew there was something in horses. I, I had heard about Buck Branneman and, and been to see him and just was hooked. Like the energy surrounding his workshops and clinics, the way he moved through life, the way he rode and moved with his horses and the way he taught and the the curriculum that they were teaching was just like something is powerful here and so i knew that there was i knew i was going to learn something in that in that realm and so that was kind of a motivating factor for me to say yes 
there was just a voice inside of my, I almost didn't have a choice. And so when I adopted him, we just moved the business, uh, Oregon Tales, out to where it is now. And we were still living in, in the city in Portland, but he was now out at, at the property where we live now, the Oregon Tales Ranch. And we would do our day, and then I would drive all the way back out to work with him. Rain or rain or shine. A lot of work. Um, and this was like just getting him, just getting it to where I could walk up to him, getting to where he would lead on a lead rope, getting him to, so I, I could put a, a blanket on him because Mustangs, I mean, generally horses, like they can't be left out in the rain, especially, um, in Oregon, if there's no shelter and there were shelter, but he was a wild Mustang. So he really didn't care. He's like impervious to <laughs> heat and cold <laughs> and being wet. Like he just, it was almost like as if he didn't even feel the rain. And actually Juno was like that too. He was impervious to heat and cold and being wet. Like he just. Well, he liked it hot. He preferred it hot for <laughs> sure. Yeah. But I had to get a blanket on him. So everything was starting from scratch uh, with with Merlin. And I'm also starting from scratch because I didn't know what I was doing, really. I thought I was like, maybe it was egotistical of me, like overzealous of me or confident of me. But I was like, I'm pretty, pretty good with dogs. So maybe that'll transition. And, and what I had learned with Buck and observed there at clinics, I was like, there's so much overlap in, in what we do. And so I was like, cool. So I was learning, he was learning, and eventually we got to um, a place where I could saddle him and ride him. And I started bringing him out with pack. And, you know, through that whole process, I realized very quickly that I had to find a different way. Because as I mentioned earlier, we were a little more physical with dogs, with corrections and you know, we kind of subscribe to some alpha stuff and being the alpha and being in charge and so on and so forth, which we still are in charge, but we just were coming at it with like a puff chest, you know, to a degree. And you can't, you can do that with horses, but it, I wasn't going anywhere going that way with Merlin, going down that road with him. Um, and so I knew I had to find a different way. And that's when I really started going into Vaquero style horsemanship, natural horsemanship and, and Buck Branneman and, and whatnot. And that really opened my eyes to, again, 
connecting with a different species and connecting with a different expression of a being because I couldn't overpower him. I had to get on the same page as him. I had to learn to get on the same page as him and not by buying him off because he was a wild Mustang. He didn't give a shit about food in situations. He was, he was gone. Like if he was spooking over something. He spooked. Yeah. It's just, he's gone. Yeah. Super dangerous. I mean, Horses are extremely dangerous, especially when they're wild and feral and completely unpredictable. Mm. Um, and and so I had to learn a different way. I had to be, I had to learn to become softer. I had to learn to become even more quiet. Like he single handedly, I feel catapulted my skill set and awareness of dogs and beings to an even more like higher degree because we were very successful with dogs and what we were doing with Oregon Tales at the time but we still had stuff and we had we still had scuffles we still had dogs bark and whine and this and that and Again, me having very high standards, I was like, we can do more, we can do more, we can do more. And when I started working with Merlin, I was like, this, this is it. Mm. This feels like this is going to help us get to such a degree of connection with the dogs that we work with that they will leave it all behind. Mm-hmm. And just be with us. And so I kept working, kept working. Our relationship continued to get hot, like to grow more and more. And he got me off a couple times. There was one time, like threw me out of the saddle. One time we were in the high desert. And we came up on a puddle, like he did not like water, especially not having to walk through it. And we came up on this giant puddle and he just stopped. And I just went flying into like a juniper tree. Then he took off and ran about like maybe a quarter mile or half a mile. And I could see him because we were in the high desert. I could see the the, tri- the path that we had just ridden down. He just, I just saw a <laughs> dust cloud running away from me. <laughs> And I just started walking after him, and and he just stopped. And I walked right up to him, and we went right back to the puddle and walked right through it. Had to work around it first and then walk through it. Um, But it was just very humbling. Like, he humbled me because he could kill me. Mm. (laughs) He could really injure me without malice or any intention to necessarily Mm -hmm. just by him acting naturally in his fear Mm -hmm. um over something as maybe quote-unquote small as a puddle (laughs) as a puddle (laughs) yes um so yeah so he 
my my awareness expanded. It had to. I had to get softer. I had to get quicker. I had to get smarter to deal with this and figure this new puzzle piece out, which was him and, and how we can connect and grow together. And I mean, some days we'd work for a short period of time because we'd have success. And then other times, like I'd be in the saddle or working him on the ground for like four hours straight. Like the level of dedication that I had with him scaled all of that. And I kind of already had that built in working yeah. with dogs, which was great. Yeah. Because I just, time just dissolves yeah and goes away like it, it's no barrier yeah like see the job do the job succeed and then end our muscle too is just more practiced in working for a longer period of time yeah i remember having to build mine up and be like wow i'm tired mm-hmm. after a half hour and then a year later i was like oh, it's been two hours i'm not tired right yeah so we, with little breaks of course here and there but like yeah. I can vouch for that four-hour one, though. I timed you once. There's been a few, yeah. I timed you once. It was about four hours. Yeah. So that relationship building and growing, it, it was rewarding more rewarding than anything to a degree I had experienced because I was dealing with a wild animal. It would, I guess I I look at it and I'm like, this isn't a feral dog. This isn't a domesticated animal Mm -hmm. that is living in the wild now and is feral. Right. Mm-hmm. This is a legitimately wild animal. Um, and coming to grips with that fact and coming to grips with the fact that, like, having to have so much more empathy to a degree because. It was so integral. Like there, there wasn't like an ounce in the in his physiology that was like domesticated. Mm. It was just pure, unadulterated wild. Mm-hmm. And having like a lot of respect for that, and honor in being able to work with something like that. Um, like I had it with dogs too, but. But when I see a dog, I'm like, okay, like you, I know you're feral, but like there's, there's some domestication in there, Mm -hmm. right? You know, it's not dealing with a a wild tiger or getting a coyote. Mm -hmm. It's just different, Mm -hmm. at least for me and, and the way I experienced it. Um, so working with him and, and seeing him grow was extremely fulfilling, extremely rewarding. 
but I would have to say like he didn't bond. We didn't bond until it took quite a while, mm-hmm. quite a while. Because one of the factors in this is that he wasn't number one. Mm-hmm. He was like number three. There was like us, our relationship, the business, and Juno, and then Merlin. And because of like all the responsibilities and everything that I had just in life and whatnot, I didn't get to spend a ton of time with him as much as I would like to, to accelerate kind of like our growth and, and, um, and building a connection and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of separation there. Um, a, a lot of separation. Like they don't sleep in the house. They, yeah. It's a lot harder to take them on road trips or take them to yeah. go for a walk with your mom. Like it, <laughs> The barrier to entry, you could say, is, is much steeper and broader than, yeah. than a dog, for sure. Yeah. And one of the other factors in that with dealing with an, a wild animal who's just extremely dangerous is, is I had to be on point. I literally had to be on point every second that I was working with him. Um, because number one, I didn't want to do anything wrong. And number two, I didn't want to make a mistake and get like get injured or go backwards or, or this or that. And so I had to mentally and energetically be on like 100%, mm-hmm. which if I wasn't, then I wouldn't necessarily go and work with him mm-hmm. because that's what he required of me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to, I can't just be like, I'm not feeling that great, but I'm going to go and ride. It's like, no, that would probably end badly. Mm. Um, like one time, as an example, I was in a hurry and I was riding him and then I was like, all right, we got to go. We got to get back to the barn. I got to get you unsettled. And so I'm kind of galloping him along, trotting him along. And I want him to turn a little sharper, but he's just kind of pushing on me a little bit. And so I'm like, all right, we'll just take a little bit wider of a turn. And we ended up hitting the blacktop driveway. Mm. And he obviously just slid out and came all of his weight came down right on my left leg and just crushed it and he bounced off me and kind of slid slid a little bit i came out of the stirrups thankfully and he stood up and just stood there and like was looking at me like what the heck is going like what the (laughs) heck and i'm like i'm sorry my legs all busted up and I hobbled around for like, I don't remember how long it was, but I was pretty busted up. You were, I, I, I remember that day. Yeah. That's probably the most busted I've seen you. Yeah. Yeah. I still can't feel my knee. Ugh. Like it's, it's just numb, <laughs> but it's fine. Like I did CrossFit after like it's, there's yeah. no pain or anything. It's yeah. just like the surface of it. I can't feel anything when you poke at it or touch it. Anyways. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, I just haste make makes waste, as 
somebody special in our life <laughs> says very frequently. <laughs> um, and that was just kind of exacerbated with, with him. So, but anyways, coming back to, you know, who he is and what he's brought to the Oregon Tales pack. I, I mean, I can't thank him enough because we would not be, I would not be as good at, hand, at handling dogs as we are today. Our pack would not be the same with without him, having him come into our lives. The gentle method wouldn't exist. The gentle method would not exist. Or at least not in the way that it is. Yeah. So his influence on us was just a great boon and kind of catapulted us to new heights and new fulfillment um, and new understanding in our dog handling. Um, and just, I mean, whenever I ride a lot, when I walk around afterward, there's just more peace in me. I, I walk more slowly. Mm. There's just this uh, more calm sense of energy or or whatnot. And, and maybe you've been to a buck clinic or, or been to a horse clinic that is natural horsemanship or vaquero, and there's just like this calm energy to it. Mm-hmm. Being around horses. Um, and I grew up meditating. I'm big on neutrality. And they really can help you build your ability to hold and maintain that neutrality. And again, it's not a dullness, mm-hmm. right? I did read that they've done studies where there's a magnetic field that our hearts create magnetic pulses. And when like the horses is huge. Mm. And so when you're around them, that's what makes them so therapeutic for a lot of people Mm. is that vibration that their heart puts off that magnetic field that their heart puts off. I think I have that right magnetic field or vibration, whatever. Um, and I feel that, and it feels so good. Mm. I feel like a lot of people feel that. Yeah. Even just like seeing a horse in a pasture nearby. Right. Can have someone feel that. Yeah. Very romantic, very soothing. And of course, very there's soothing. plenty of people who are just completely scared to death of horses. Yeah, probably have much, which, many different feelings about them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, so similar to Juno, like I keep pushing our relationship. I keep pushing the bounds mm-hmm. and I'll continue to do that as as long as as I feel like there's more to, for us to learn and grow, which there's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'll just keep pushing and keep growing. But where he's at right now is... Yeah, 
anyone can ride him. Like um, Merlin's pasture mate, Darby, his human, rides Merlin. And her sister used to ride Merlin until she um, had an injury come up. And like friends of mine have have ridden uh, Merlin. But yeah, he's out with Pack. Like he's able to. I love doing this, but he, we integrate him into the workshops in Oregon, where I ride him in the round pen, it's so pushing weird. on dogs and people as they're walking. It's unbelievable. It's so cool yeah. to experience that. I have to literally pinch myself. Like sometimes when I see pictures of that or videos, mm. I'm like, this is so cool. Yeah. It's the a fact great that, opportunity. Yeah, for, for the people, for yeah. sure. And yeah, I'm just so thankful because he's so enjoyable to be around. It's so much fun riding him and having him in life, being able to ride him with pack mm-hmm. or have him in the in the workshops. It's just He also shares a wall with us. So he lives in oh, the same yeah. building that we do. So he'll our one of our kitchen windows. Is, we'll open it and it's it looks out onto his pasture and so he'll like kind of stand in the window <laughs> watching us in the kitchen you'll open the window and he'll stick his head in like, yeah what are you we guys give doing? him carrots or we try to give him weird stuff that he doesn't want yeah what? i had him smell like a cup of tea once and it was all like you know <laughs> steamy and he was like oh, what is this right. <laughs> um What's cool that I've witnessed, because I'm not very horsey, um, but I live close to him, and he's probably the horse I've gotten to know the most, is that, like, watching his personality come out, Mm. because, you know, I think I was, I think I went to one of the first interactions you had with him when you couldn't touch him, and so I've also seen that develop over time Mm. and him be in the pasture and me be on the other side of the fence like trying to get him to come over and he's just like forget it lady and now he'll come over Mm -hmm. and he's more interested and in the past year since juno hasn't um been alive anymore you've put all that energy that went on to juno is now on merlin right and what has been interesting and enjoyable is seeing little glimpses of Juno in Merlin. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, seeing. Feeling, I guess. More. Yeah, definitely. Like um, he'll do something and I'm like, oh, that feels like Juno would do yeah. that. He has. He has that same energy that Juno has. And again, I don't know what my percentage is of drawing that out of him or it's him, whatever, it doesn't matter. But he does have that level of presence to him, I feel. Yeah. That's growing. Yeah. Um, The more that just the more trust he has in life, yeah. the more trust he has in me. Um, he definitely has a different personality. 
like I, I feel him differently. Like mm-hmm. he's, um, he just, he feels different than Juno mm-hmm. as himself, but there are parts of him, little things that he'll do now. Like the more time you spend with him, the more I feel those little things come out. Yeah. The more curious he is, the more like goofy he is. Yeah. yeah. He's a he's a really cool being. Yeah. He's um describe what he looks like. Yeah, so he's I think he's fourteen two. Fourteen three. I don't remember. Something around there. He's not very tall, but he's <laughs> thick. Like not fat, but like his legs are really thick. Mm-hmm. His feet are huge. Like he doesn't need shoes. Let's just put it that way. Um and he's a gray. Um which I didn't know this at the time, but gray horses, um, turn white and so he's (laughs) on his way to be completely white which he's wild and he really likes being dirty (laughs) which is extremely challenging to keep him clean and i'm a pretty simple guy like i'm not like into grooming him to the point where he's super fancy and whatever like like lisa um Darby's pasture mate, she'll she'll ride him quite a bit. Uh, like when we're traveling on the road, she's the one who cares for him. Very thankful and uh, grateful for her taking care of him while we're on the road. Um, but she'll get him like nice and shiny mm-hmm. white. And I'll do that maybe like a few times a year. Well, I mean, he'll just but immediately he just, roll yeah. and get dirty. <laughs> but yeah, white horses, not easy to keep clean. Not a thought of that I had when I said yes to getting him. <laughs> I mean, he's he's beautiful even when he's, he's dirty. He's like I don't, a... I don't ever think about that. Yeah, he is a tank. He's like, also he's like so good looking. His mane is multicolored, mm-hmm. so it's like got some red, it's got some brown, some white, some gray. Like it's kind of everything ish. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, he's he's very thick, very stout, very strong, big thick legs. Um, but yeah, he's he's on his way to being white. I thought Lisa will actually for her granddaughter. She bought like this <gasps> unicorn horn that she'll attach to him <laughs> around like their birthdays and or like something sparkles. like that. And put like yeah glitter on him or something like that. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's because then the little girls get a unicorn. Yeah, to look at. Yeah, but like, there's no way that yeah he's he's come a long ways in regards to being <laughs> allowing that kind of thing to happen to mm-hmm. him. Let's just put it that mm-hmm. way. Um, so. Well, thank you for listening. Um, yeah. No, that was a a long one, but it should be <laughs> in our <laughs> mind, uh, given the 
weight that the beings that have been and and currently are in our lives and the, and how they've shaped it and continue to to push us to grow and and evolve and enjoy more and yeah. more and more and more so thank you all thank you <laughs>